Hey, what's going on, guys? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Financial Grio, aka TFG. <laughs> so, here in this podcast, we really enjoy just telling our stories that most people don't like to discuss. Um, our stories that we share is just an opportunity for growth, opportunity for understanding, but most importantly, just opportunity how we are evolving as individuals and as people. But beyond all that, we really talk about finances, specifically how to become financially literate, incorporating actionable steps, and ultimately building generational wealth. My name is Atlanta Elson. I'm one of the co-hosts. And you also may be familiar with my other co-host, which is um, Lawrence Delva Gonzalez, aka the Neighborhood Finance Guy, and also Miss Lovely Mordellis. So today's episode is super cool, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear this because we actually have our first feature guest. So this is the part where if I have like this audio thing, so that's me. <laughs> Our first featured guest we have on the podcast is with the Karim crew. So Karim podcast crew is on today um, with both of the co-hosts. It's Luther um, and uh, Mock, 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 Mock Jean. <laughs> Got to get my English Haitian Creole right. Mock Jean. <laughs> but um the discussions were so good and we just touch on so many different topics um as such we went over our scheduled time so um we will have this uh podcast or these episodes in two parts enjoy welcome everybody to the financial griot podcast it's your host lovely mordellis alongside with my co-host lawrence in atlanta and today's a special podcast because guess what we really have real life guests like real people it's not us it's not the three of us we actually have the fellers from colin podcast we have luther and mock and they're going to really get us um get a chance to tell us what what's going on with colin like what are you guys doing because i hear you guys are doing some amazing things really being able to tell the untold stories of haitian Americans in terms of career, finance, personal development. And I just I just heard some great things. So I'm gonna let you guys introduce yourself. Luther, you can go first, Mark, then you can go, and then I'll let Lauren segue us into the into, into today's um episode. All right, awesome, awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Um, thank you, Lawrence, Alenta, um, and a lovely for for having us on the show. I think um we are the first guests, right? <laughs> we are honored. <laughs> We are definitely honored to be to be the first on the show. I truly appreciate what you guys are doing. So my name is Luther. Um, I am a team lead by day and a real estate investor and a podcaster, I would say, by night. Uh, I was born and raised in um, Haiti uh, in a small town called uh, Machin de Saline. You know, I came to the U.S. when I was 15 years old, uh, went to FAU, went to Pompey State College. Um, I'm now... Uh, moved to Orlando, um, working for a consulting firm. So um, overall, that's that's me in a nutshell. So thank 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 the guy for for having us. I'm glam bon, I'm glam bon. <laughs> I'm like, dog. He came out when he was 15. That's a solid uncle right there. So <laughs> since he spoke English, do I have to speak Creole? I, I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mac not Jean. what what Mac Jean, Mac, you know, Mac Jean. Mac Jean. 
Um, Why well, you got a Jean out here? That I know. <laughs> my my brother used to always pick on me about that. I'd be like Jean Jean, like this thing with <laughs> Haitian Americans with it. Yeah. Um. Well, again, thank you guys for having us. Like Luther said, I'm just gonna follow the same script. Um. I was actually born in Farakaway, New York. Um. But I I was raised in Haiti. Uh, I go to Haiti almost every year until probably about 2019, 2020. Um, by day, I'm an epidemiologist. I work for an infectious disease clinic. Um, but we all know that that's not, you know, just working for someone else is not always the goal. We want to have our own thing. So I have, you know, businesses on the side. And, and like Luther mentioned, one of, the, one of the reasons why, I think one of my reasons for being um, is literally to, to talk to Haitians, fellow Haitians, Americans, and fellow Haitian Americans, learn from them and being able to share our stories. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I love Kogem. And that's one of the reasons why I actually wanted to come and talk to you guys as well. Um, having these platforms so we can push our narratives the way we want to and not the way um, other people are saying it. So thank you guys for having us. Thank you. Cool, cool. Well, I'm just going to segue everything uh, that we've been discussing so far. And as our first guest, I'm actually very happy because we're keeping it real Haitian right now. The Financial Grio finally brings in a Haitian group, <laughs> like the Haitian <laughs> Coin podcast. It's like, hey, man, we're just keeping it real Haitian. We're not even trying to make it a, um, diverse right now <laughs> and inclusive of everybody. But ultimately, it's a great uh, opportunity to have this conversation. I wanted to set up the, the ground rules. One, we don't do edits. And I know our audience know that. We don't do edits. We don't do cuts. We keep it unfiltered. We keep it very honest because that's the, the whole goal. And that's part of the, the philosophy and the culture of the financial griot. The, the idea of a griot is basically a storyteller. And Haitians are really great at doing the storytelling, especially at nighttime, especially around, quote, unquote. We don't have, I don't think we had the campfires type of scenario, but we always kind of like linked up. We maybe had some kind of a balen here and there if we needed it. <laughs> And we just had stories and we tell each other stuff. And the goal is very simple. Everybody could talk. Everybody could say anything. If you don't have anything to say at the time, put it on mute. And unlike the American philosophy, just take your time. Like you, you absorb what the other person say, you know, kind of like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you don't have to, you know, kind of like retort anything. And don't be afraid to talk about it. So I'm actually going to keep it real, real, real with people. I'm going to drop some stuff in there that might shock y'all. I'm not afraid to do that. So who wants to get this started? Wait, wait, another thing I need to bring up. I'm not too sure where we're going to drop this episode. Which one do you want? Do you want to drop this episode on Bataille de la Beltel, like November 18th? Or do you want to drop it all the way in like the, you know, January 1st, Sushumu days, whatnot? Which I want. I mean, honestly, it's it's up to you guys, man. It's up to you. Whatever you decide. We, 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 I, I actually have no idea. I couldn't decide. Like, I want to drop it earlier or later, ladies. What's up? You know how we go. It's really on the fly. So if we want it on the 18th, it can be there on the 18th. You know what? Let's, so okay, it's gonna be on the 18th. I think it's gonna be on it. What, what, there's so Atlanta? many episodes to. There's there so many episodes to to choose from. So it really doesn't matter. But this is this is special. I would like for it to be dropped before the holidays. So that'll be okay. nice. Well, yeah, it's gonna be special then. So it's gonna be something a little bit, you know, on the nose for a lot of Haitians. I see Mark. He's thinking really deep. Yeah, because like November eighteenth is is Bataille de Vertier, man. So I'm, I'm with it. So um, okay, see, like he's, he's hey. thinking about it. Like, what does that mean? Like, yeah, is, I know, right? Like, why is it so important? Hey, <laughs> can somebody actually give us a breakdown of what that is? Why is it significant for Haitians? Bataille de Vertier. 
Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Um, it was the last um battle that we actually fought um to gain our independence. Um, and it happened in the north, and so it's it's always significant. Um, for us when we think about that, it's one of those things where Napoleon had to realize he's not messing with regular folks. These <laughs> folks are different. <laughs> And so, yeah, after that last war, and then and they had to come up with different compromises and stuff like that. And and Toussaint's, um, what Toussaint wanted in terms of like the new constitution and what Haiti would look like, he actually obliged. Also, because, you know, he was going through other stuff with his army. They were dying. Uh, with, they had a fever around that time. So he just obliged around the time. But we'll take it. A win is a win. Yeah, a win is a win is a win also for the U.S. because because of what happened in Haiti, because of the collapse of that, um, I guess that movement that they sent to try to oppress uh, people further, they ended up losing a lot of uh, money on that endeavor and they had to sell and basically say, you know, the entire left-hand side of the United States, you know, left of the Mississippi to include the whole Texas, uh, Louisiana, all that stuff, all the way to the left, wouldn't really exist um, on the map for the US if it wasn't for the defeat that they took in Haiti itself. So, you know, hey, big ups, big ups, November 18th. Y'all learned something, y'all learned something. So let's get it started. So, you know, what exactly, um, why did you even start Cohen? Like, why is the dream, you know, this important to you? Um, I, I, I'll go on that one. So it's actually started, um, well, the idea started when I was in, in, in college. Um, so like, like I mentioned earlier, I came here when I was 15 years old and um, it was it was tough. It was tough. It was tough for me to navigate. It was tough for me to maneuver in the country. Um, you know, it's a new environment. You know, you got to create new friends and learn the English. You know, you got to learn the language. So um, it was really tough. And I remember, you know, vividly when I was in high school, you know, um, my first day, you know, I got bullied. So and, you know, I got lost. You know, I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't um, express myself because like I said, I didn't speak any English. So it was really tough for me that same day. You know, I, I, um, when I got home, I told my dad, you know, this is, this is not it. This is not for me. Um, he needs to send me back home because, you know, I thought I would come to a country where, you know, people would embrace me. And, you know, even though I met Haitians there at the school, at the high school, Lickworth high school at that time. And, you know, I was kind of rejected because of, the way I look and, you know, because you, you, they know when you're just come, right? Quote, unquote, just come. So <laughs> it's like you look different, you know, you dress different, you look different, you talk different. So, you know, they didn't want any part of that. And um, and it kind of hurt me. Um, so, you know, thank God, you know, my, 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 my dad, my parents, they're very uh, supportive. So they told me, hey, you know, um, you know, it's a process. You know, you have to go through the process. Uh, it's going to take a while for you to, to, to adjust. And, um, you know, so I, I, I took the advice and I went back and, um, and, uh, you know, I, I started to adjust myself and, um, you know, be, be a little bit curious about things and figuring things out, you know, whether it's, you know, different programs and internships and, 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 and scholarships, you know, learning about these things. And at some point in, in time, you know, when I, when I, when I, um, went to college, you know, I was looking back to what I've done and accomplished and what uh, God has helped me to do, whether it's internships, you know, multiple internships, uh, multiple scholarships. And I'm looking back, I'm said, wow, like, um, 
the class that was with me, you know, could have been benefited of uh, of what I'm benefiting from now, right? So I'm looking back. I said, you know, I got to do something where I'm providing or I'm, you know, all the resources that I've been given. I could have shared those resources with 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 other hate young Haitians. So, you know, the idea came about. You know, I wanted to to start a um, what do you call it? a nonprofit organization. Um, and create a website where people would find multiple internships, multiple scholarships, did a program that could help young Haitians to be um, uh, to be in a growth uh, environment um, that that way we could, you know, help the community go better. So um, long story short, you know, I started sharing the idea with people and obviously my parents always supportive. But, you know, my friends, some of my friends, you know, they were they were very negative about the 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 idea and they kind of you know shot it down so that 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 um at that time it kind of hit me you know when you have an idea and you're so excited about it and you start sharing it and then somebody's just like who do you think you are like <laughs> you haven't done anything who do you think you are to think that you're gonna create a platform where you're gonna help young haitians and help them grow and provide resources and things like that so i kind of you know forget about the idea then and then it's it's not until uh, I moved to Orlando and I started my first full full time job, and the idea that hit me back, and I was like, wow, like, you know, um, I've had the opportunity to have multiple internships. I've had the opportunity to graduate college free, um, you know, without any debt. All of those resources, again, a lot of young Haitians don't know about them because you know they're they're not been exposed to them. Right. I was a little bit more curious and find out about those opportunities. But what if I create a platform where I bring those opportunities to them? So that's where kind of the idea of the podcast started. At that time, I was listening to podcast heavy um, and it kind of clicked. I was like, OK, this is the idea. And why don't I put it in a podcast uh, podcast form? Not only now I'll share my resources, but I can bring other young Haitians to share um, their resources as well. And at that time. Uh, I remember I met Mac. That's the same time I met Mac, and I was telling him about the what I wanted to do and how I wanted to start a podcast. And he pumped me up. He's like, "Yo, this is I've never, you know, we don't have that in the community. I think this will be very helpful." And um, you know, I uh, we started season one. Unfortunately, he was not part of season one as a host. He was there in the background and um, you know helping and pushing. But um, but um, he uh, eventually, you know, he he got on board season two. We just had a great amazing season two uh recently and we had you know amazing guests on the show and um yeah so overall that's 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 uh how the podcast started it's on me so out he, here he, he, he got bullied oh. <laughs> <laughs> that hit me in the heart man i thought i was a therapy moment he's like i was bullied man, yeah it's... people didn't like me did, did the haitians bully you man like what's up yeah man the bully me, I, I don't know man it's i don't know maybe it's the look they you know they told me my atlanta isn't that your people in, <laughs> in lake worth though like, that's good that's not my people <laughs> <laughs> i didn't like belgrade right? like <laughs> my west, west palm beach area <laughs> out here you know? hey <laughs> west palm beach haitians out that's here not different. My people. Man, i thought y'all were nicer up there i think <laughs> oh. i think that is a part of the transition process when you're coming um to america i think everyone has experience that even if you're born here in the country you experience some form of bullying but uh, specifically with um 
just come, right? Um, and if you are listening to this and never heard the term just come, just sorry, come. these are just, you know, immigrants new to the country. Um, we're just speaking in this context of, you know, Haitians who was not born here and coming to America. It's a lot of culture shock to realize because when my cousin came here, she thought we were driving BMWs. No, <laughs> like these foreign expensive yeah, cars. Yeah. That's that's not the case. But you mentioned something, Luther, about that you were seeing that um, there's opportunities and um, things that um, you noticed that it wasn't a um, it wasn't a venture. Right. It wasn't venture out to um, most um, Haitians. But I'll also say that um, we didn't just bring it to our awareness because of the lack of exposure. So you identify an issue because your own personal experience and you right. wanted to do something about that as well. And I'm, I'm quite curious to in this quite curious to um, think about why there isn't a transition like a really proper transition period for just comes or new immigrants It's always just put them in Esau. Right. <laughs> That's it's, a transition like, yeah, period. Yeah, yeah, I, I never yeah. understood that at all. So Haitian um, parents, man. That's how Haitian parents be thinking. They're like, hey, we drop them in Esau, they'll be Esau, all right. Yeah. They patted this guy on the back. He gave him some <laughs> sus part to go to school with and that was it. They're like, you'll be okay. My yeah. God, I lie. That's but, it. but I would I would like to ask you, what do you feel like you identify because something you uh, socially identified that it was a problem and you wanted to bring it to most Haitians awareness to kind bridge that gap in between awareness and opportunities and accessibility that they can have what do, do you think that you have learned within yourself within the entire process from moving from Lake Worth going off to uh, Palm Beach State and then transitioning over to um, Orlando to college so you did a lot of transitioning and to oh, know yeah, that yeah. you want to continue <clears throat> having that uh, growth mindset and to provide and serve for your community so you wasn't moving in silence we have a theme here that we don't mm -hmm. move in silence like yeah, lasagna yeah. like we actually uh place it out there for opportunities to come to us but while we are positioning ourselves for those opportunities as well so what what do you think that um you have learned in that process for yourself that's a great question so one thing in particular that i've learned is that um us as haitian or well, majority of us not like, let's not let's not let's not say to everybody now um, there's a scarcity mindset, right? There's a scarcity mindset when we know something, we tend to hold it on to ourselves, right? Um, and we think that a lot of time, if we share the things that we know, then what we have will diminish, and which, which is not actually true. And I'm saying this, whether it's, you know, you know, the scholarships, scholarships I, I mentioned earlier, right? So you may have, and I had that mentality as well. Let me, let me, let me correct myself. I had that mentality as well. And I, that's, that's what I realized at, uh, in college, because at that time, you know, I was curious, I was learning, I was looking, uh, I was finding out about scholarships, right? So at that time I knew about scholarships. So why didn't I, why didn't I share it with my group? Why didn't I share it with the Esau class that I was in, right? So it kind of, you know, made me feel guilty um, when I get into college and I'm looking back and I'm re I realize that, hey, I'm not, I'm not that special, right? So I'm not that special to a point where those opportunities I was given or I have found, 
the other Haitians could have, you know, benefited from those opportunities as well. So I think to me, the, the biggest thing was like the scarcity mindset that I had to switch and like, hey, just because I get this scholarship, that doesn't mean if I give it to somebody else that, you know, they, they will, it will take anything away from me. So from that on, so I've just, you know, put in this abundance mindset, like whatever I know, whatever I figure out, I'm going to share it. I'm going to find a way to share it with other people. That way I don't become successful individually, but we can become success, successful as a community. Oh, wow. Luther, you, you killed that. That was a great response. Mm. Like, I think what's really important here is that you did mention that initially when you mentioned the idea, there was a group of people that didn't really gravitate to it. But then Mac comes in hearing it maybe months, a year later and draws in. So although you weren't moving into items the first time, mm. being in a different environment. environment. It's, yeah, yeah. So I want to hear from Mac, like what made you hear this and was like, no, this is a good idea and we need to, I, however I can support you, like whatever it is, because clearly you wasn't, uh, you wasn't on the sound waves the first time around, but second time <laughs> around you were, but season two, you, you come in and you're a host, but what made you say like, hey, I, I want to get part of this. Matt, Thank you, man. lovely, for, for giving me the opportunity to make Luther feel bad. I always say this because before <laughs> this thing started, he came to me. I was a hype man. I was like, this is great. Um, he was probably looking real sad, too. <laughs> like, no, I, I really wasn't. I, re I remember. No, no, not you, but him. Oh, he was him? Like, he was like, I, I have an idea. He's looking real sad. <laughs> like, so it's funny because I remember this conversation vividly. Like, he came to me. I was like, he was like, yeah, I got to talk to you. I was like, yo, I got to talk to you, too. Um, have, have you ever thought about a podcast? He looked at me weird. He was like, wait, what? That's what I want to talk to you about. I was like, oh, that's great. And then and then he was like, yeah, I already started thinking about this and I already have X, Y, and Z and I already have a co-host. I was like, oh, okay. And uh, we'll see how that works. <laughs> and so, but, but fast forward, okay. you know, to answer your question more specifically, it's a couple of things, lovely. Um, I, I have a couple of friends that are Ghanaians. Um, you know, and I kind of want to talk about, I knew Luther was going to say scarcity mindset and, and he, he is right. I have a, a friend of mine that's a Ghanaian and she tells me about how it doesn't matter where you go in the United States. There's sort of sort of like quote unquote, a griot shout out to a griot, right? There's a griot that kind of comes in and it gives them the lay of the land. They have this head person that's been in, for example, Broward County, He's the oldest person, an oldest Ghanaian that's been in Bar County, and you gotta go to him. And he tells you, he could tell you, oh yeah, your great your great uncle came in like in the 80s and stuff like that. They have history that they are comfortable passing down. And for us, you know, it's hard. My mother experienced this as as a nurse. She went to school, and like there were other people that did it before her. Nobody wanna tell her, you know, study this or study that. Nobody wanna tell her this is the book I, I used. And mm -hmm. I think that's mm -hmm. that's the that's one of the folds to me that migrate migrated me towards the the whole connected me towards us doing this. And the other one is for to be honest, where Luther and I are both products of um like of two, right? So he's the oldest of two, and he has a, a little sister, and I'm the oldest of two, and I have a little sister. And there's an added pressure um, that is that is on the oldest. 
um, to figure it out, especially when you have when you're a product of, of, of immigrants to figure it out and to not be a failure uh, for the next person looking at you. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have a little sister that is expecting that that doesn't know anything yet. And they're younger. They don't know any better. And so you, you're like, OK, so I have to figure this out. I have to look for scholarships myself. I have to, to not be a failure. But then I also have somebody that's looking at me, um, you know, as well. So. And then I have my parents that I'm trying to, you know, make proud of me. So it, it all connected to me. It's like, okay, we've already been doing this on a smaller scale. <laughs> you know, let's just do this on a bigger scale. Let's, cause I know the other Haitians that come from Haiti that would love to know where certain things are. And they would love to know, okay, um, do I have to be a nurse? Cause that's what everybody is doing. Or can I be something else? You know, or can I, can I, is, does my heart really resonate with nursing? Or are there other majors, other career paths that exist? So when when he said that to me, it was it was a no brainer um, that we we gotta. <laughs> he understand where I come from as as being the oldest guy, being the oldest boy, um, you know. And then he understands where I come from in terms of like what it is that we really need to pass down, like other other countries and other generations um, from other you know other backgrounds. So that's that was it for me. That's what drew me into it. And um, that's why, even though he didn't pick me as a co-host, I was just in the background <laughs> doing show notes. I was like, yeah, any way that I can help, I'll, I'll do show notes and I'll, I'll, I'll translate and whatever. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's it. Uh, wh- 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 why are you like this, Lawrence? <laughs> just see what you posted. Hey, it's true. Like one, it, well, hey, I, just so everybody you know, I like to kind of talk in the chat while people are talking. Talking and- smack. Yeah, yeah, talking smack. And the way Luther said it about, I'm still hurt by it, Dad, because I felt the same thing he felt. <laughs> it felt like a therapy moment. Like, I, I hope that you're laughing at these haters, and I hope oh, that I they're still I've, poor. I'm definitely <laughs> laughing now. Man. I hope that they remain poor, you know, for you. Wow. you get rich. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I didn't, said I what didn't I said. go that far now. I don't <laughs> like, go that yeah. far. Hey, hey, I said it for you from the inside, man. <laughs> and also, lovely out here in the corner while, while Mike is talking, it's like, yeah, she she ended up being a nurse. I'm just saying the shade was dropped. I, Listen, I it that. was no shade. I said, I, do I like, really want to do only it? Thing. I didn't even notice the shade until it was mentioned. I was like, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, oh it's like it, that's all. He always wanted looked to be for it. Like, hey, lovely always wanted to be that in life, a nurse. <laughs> no, I actually that. wanted to go to med school. So let's get it correct. Let me correct you guys here. So I did nursing in high school. So by the time I was 18, I was a nurse. And then from there, I was doing, I did hospice nursing for five years. And I realized that medicine, I want, I'm actually going to be, I'm starting a healthcare venture um, soon anyways. So it's going to end up connecting in a way, but I realized that I want to build the enterprise. I want to be the person that builds an enterprise. So I stopped, um, I did finish bio, did finish sociology, but I didn't end up going to med school. But I, you know, what's interesting. I was actually the kid that wanted to be a doctor. It wasn't pushed on me. So it was right. one of those weird things that everybody's like, oh, your patient parents. I'm like, nah, my mom just really wanted me to be successful and good at school. I genuinely wanted to be a doctor. But when I really started to soul search, I realized I want to build the enterprises and I had a gifting in building up organizations and doing these different things. So I took a different path. So we got to correct Lawrence talking about. Thank you. Because you know, he was trying to make I, me feel bad. I hope that we. we he was trying she, to make she, me feel she bad. She was working straight out of school. Yeah, I was exactly. Like, <laughs> hey, a, 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 a Haitian man's dream. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. I, I, I turned it full circle. Every Haitian, wow. Haitian guys are like, mm, mm. You love them see. some Haitian nurses. <laughs> like, yeah, well, right, right. Like, 
no, there, was, that was no shade at all. I didn't even know that, lovely. No, nah, it's all right, man. It's Lawrence. I won't blame you. I know, no, no, right? It's not you. It's not you. It's not you. It's, okay, it's the toxicity good. of Lawrence. We said we're going to behave on this podcast episode. Nobody wants to behave, but... It's just funny. No, but, but everything that you said yeah, is um, the the reference that you made to the Guyanians about how they had a point person, right? They had someone that they can go to that says, hey, here's the lay of the land. Here's the history. And here are the pitfalls, Right. And it's interesting to me because we'll get into this, um, what recently happened in Texas, where there was all these migrants of Haitians under the bridge. There's this lady that's now sharing this video that her husband had told her, like some people, some Haitian people here really started to take people into their homes. Like, even if they don't know them, like we're going to take you into the home because if they could literally sign somebody from immigration that they could be able to have a space. And she got on her, she said, well, my husband said that you can't do it um, because upakwanaisien. Like, oh, you don't know how, it's, which, mm-hmm. when, when saying that, it wasn't in a good positive way, it was in a negative connotation. And essentially she was saying that she was hearing so much horror stories of people bringing people in and it turning out horrible. And so now that message is amplified. Like, hey, if you were one of those people that took these people in, you know, share your horror stories about the worst thing that happened. So now there's going to always be like, well, let me not help patients because I'm back when I eat sin. Let me not. So this is a narrative that's being pushed now. Let's say there was a hundred families that took people in. The six stories that are horrible are going to be the ones that we hear about. Like there was this one lady saying that, you know, some, one of the people raped her child. Like, it's really like, when I talk about like, really like dark it's it's dark. So these are the stories that are now being amplified. So if there's a case again, and let's say a year or two, where it's an opportunity to help your fellow Haitian, what are you going to remember? You don't know Haitians. So then we start to have this connotation that why, so it's, it's not a surprise that if you had an opportunity, you're not sharing it because underlyingly there is this culture of you don't know Haitians and doing anything good for a Haitian may come back and, and bite you in the, in the, you know, in the butt. So I want to ask you guys, everybody on this, um, what do you guys think about the narrative of how we see ourselves as Haitian people? Because when we see Haitian are we seeing is in a, in a positive life? Are we seeing like from, from exactly what she said? And I've, I've actually heard that before. Like you don't know Haitians. Like, so what happened that we're not, you know, our things as we know for life for us. And it's all I'm talking about unity to today. And probably even yesterday, even when we were growing up, that it was a negative connotation to even be in relationship with Haitians, because it's like, if you get you doing a business with Haitians, you know, what's about to happen. You get in a relationship with the Haitian, you know, what's about to happen. And when they're saying that, it's not a good what's about to happen. So how do you guys feel about that narrative that's being, you know, um, perpetuated in our society? Um, I, oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. Mark Jean, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I, lovely, I agree with you 100%. I think the problem is deeply rooted into how we grew up and the fact that um, let me get mine first and then and then I'll tell you, if I want to, if it doesn't bring you to my level, um, how to get yours and how to eat. And I think, I don't know why, but um, even Haitians that come here first, um, they have that mentality. I went to Chicago one time and I saw this guy who picked me up from the airport. He's Haitian and he was telling me, oh, we're not like the same as the Haitians from this side of Chicago because we've been here since the 40s. And in my mind, I'm like, why is there a difference? Why is there a difference? Like, yes, your parents came in the 1940s and, and, and settled in Chicago, and these people came in the 60s. But why are you trying to create that divide? So I agree with you. I've seen it. I've, I've experienced it. 
um, where, you know, with at least with my parents and wh- how they're told certain things. It's like, um, you know, like I, I think systemically Haitians want to feel uh, better than um, because we've come from so far. Um, but when you've mentioned everything you just mentioned, there's no specific. There's no, oh, these are the OCAP Haitians. No, anybody that looks at us externally, they see Haitians. So, yes, you're thinking that you're better than or you've made it out um, or this person hasn't or you this person still relies on you or this person still looks at you as a role model. But guess what? The rest of the world, the narrative that they're hearing is Haitians. And what America is portraying is Haitians. What Europe is looking at is Haitians. Like, I can't tell you the countless of times where I've been stopped and I'm talking to somebody who's strictly American or European and they're like, "Um, where are you from? And I say, I'm Haitian. They're like, oh, they're not asking me what part of Haiti I'm from or what's my background. Exactly. They hit you with the, oh, you've been affected. How how are you feeling? How are you dealing with (laughs) it? And so it's like, they don't even know my background. Oh, your pe- and- how's your family? Can we exactly. donate? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, literally. It's like, oh, it's so bad out there. Blah blah blah. It's like I feel so bad for you guys. It's like right, right. And so what I want us to realize is that um we're we're grouped together no matter what. So let's uplift, and that's what I what I mentioned earlier about changing our own narrative in the right way. Let's make sure that um the 94 percent is what we're the voice that we're hearing and the in the analogy that you gave and not just the six people that had bad stories yeah bad stories happen but bad stories happen in every demographic so let's just make sure that um i was i was actually on instagram and this guy was literally doing that he went to texas with money out of his own pocket he was rent, like getting hotels for certain individuals and um he was housing them, but he was looking at critical cases. He was looking at, all right, single mothers or whatever, whatever. And then the comments were so negative. Why are you doing this? Why are you spending money for these people? You don't even know these people. And he's like, yeah, I I don't, but I'm in a position where I was fortunate enough to get here and I'm here. And I told myself, I'm going to look out for my fellow Haitians. And I think that needs to be the general narrative. I'm here. Oh man, that's, that's actually very powerful. Is my wife got some, like opening boxes in the background? <laughs> Ultimately, um, what I'm gonna say about that is a recent experience that I've had at the the embassy of Haiti. I'm just gonna call it out. I'm, you know, I'm not afraid to call out people. We went out there for a, a great event um, overall, but the moment we got there, I think it was a, a feeling that my wife gotten because at the beginning you have to kind of I guess sign in. And the way she kind of positioned herself, she never looked at my wife, right? She looked down on the piece of paper, like, and then she went right into French. So, oh, uh, the, I forget exactly what she said. She went basically, and, and my wife was like, "Oh, why did she do all that?" Or she was checking my my wife calls it checking her Haitianness because my wife is more Haitian American. She doesn't have a strong grasp on speaking French or Creole, but ultimately she felt a certain way about it, and I noticed that about our people. We like to classify ourselves differently to in order to try to make ourselves feel better than the last person and that goes part of what uh luther was saying about holding on to information the reason why we hold on to it because that's that class thing again like we have to be on top of the next person and ultimately and i told my wife straight up she wasn't checking your haitianness she was checking your class level that's all she was doing because of the yep. the, re, the way she opened with the french because i knew what she was doing I'm, i've been aware of it i grew up in haiti i was raised to yep. like nine years old i seen the dialogue the way it's framed and the way she asked the question, without ever even looking at you in your eyes, like straight up, like you, you ain't nothing, whatever. 
instead of being inviting, warm, and receiving of people, she literally wanted to classify you as important or unimportant. The in, important being that you, you know, you speak French, you're one of us. The luxury or the unimportant being that you speak nothing but Creole and you're just part of the riffraff. And I always felt that around, you know, different experiences that I've had with Haitians as well. So it's not a good thing. And that's why we, um, that's why I ended up with uh, Wanda who formed Luno Suite, which had its 11th, um, it's, yeah, this month is actually the 11th um, anniversary year of Luno Suite and the Haitian American. We formed that together because nobody else was trying to do it. Even then, when we reached out to people, radio show hosts, or even publish, um, publishing, we literally wanted to create, just like you are creating now with the podcast, just an entire web of where Haitian Americans just to talk about all our issues everywhere. Either it be in a radio station, either it be on a publication, either it be online. We wanted to create all of that. That's why you find the Union Street and you find Haitian American on Facebook because we just merged the, the ideals together because we brought them up at the same time, but it was just better that she ran it. It was literally just better. And it's because of our egos, we're not able to just let go and allow, like I'm very perfectly happy to play player two player three or player four to somebody's player one. And that's what we're not doing in um, the Haitian community or in the black community overall. I'm not too sure about other communities personally, and not to, to, to kind of classify one better than the other, but as far as how I think, I don't mind playing another person. I don't have to be number one. And I think that's what's dragging down, you know, a lot of families, a lot of communities because everybody's trying to be the one person where it's not that important because somebody else, hey, if Luther comes out to be the best podcaster ever, I'm like, I'm going I'm to hype this guy up to the, to the <laughs> nth degree. I'm going to look at my, if Michael is going to be the best epidemiologist ever in, in existence, I'm like, yo, hype him up to the nth degree. And that's what I'm going to do, period. It's not going to be something of an ego for me. It's really going to be a moment in which I step back in order for somebody else to be right in front. I do not mind being part of the audience clapping. I really don't mind. It's is better than you know, standing in front giving the speech any damn way and you get to eat your food while they're doing that <laughs> get some That's good true. sushi i'm like look at look at look at mac out here giving the speech mm. good good man and i'd rather be that guy too that yeah mike you know he looks like he's like lawrence looked out for me he points and everybody's like i do this oh shoot oh shoot yes yes and now you know i go back to the uh, uh, carry on carry on no 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 carry on that's my style but I, that's why i learned I, I agree with you 100%. I think going back to the same scarcity mindset, I think it's, it, it originates from that. It's, it's the, the need to be number one. They need to be the only one. They need to be the sole one, you know, that's doing it. Where, like I mentioned earlier, you could be successful individually. That's nice. But as a community, you know, how are we looking? You know, that's. And that's that was our mindset too. Even when we were thinking about going to um, FinCon this this past this past year, we were literally like, "All right, bro, let's go learn, let's go absorb, let's go see what we can bring back to our community." I know it's a bunch of Americans and everybody else, um, but we're gonna go there and we're gonna shake hands with everybody. We literally got into a room. We're like, "Should we split? Where we're we gonna start?" And it's not. It wasn't just about networking. Yeah, it's networking for Coim, but it's also like, okay, so what? does our people not know yet that we can bring back that they can benefit from 
Hey, Ma, can you explain to our listeners who may not be familiar with FinCon? What is FinCon? Where is it? What's the purpose oh, of it? Oh, man, Luther would probably be the best guy, but I'll start with what I know. Um, FinCon stands for, you know, a financial conference that happens every year. It happens in different cities. Um, it's literally uh, promoting personal finance, um, you know, with, you know, with people, with young millennials, and it also ha highlights um, the different platforms and mediums that you're using to do that. Um, so podcasting is one of them, uh, people that has YouTube, TikTok, whatever you have, and you're promoting that. Um, they welcome you into that room and you kind of get to share ideas and learn from each other and how to, to get people to be more financially free and teach them about financial literacy. Luther, how did I do? You did very well. You did very well, man. <laughs> but yeah, just to add, yeah, it is, like Mike said, it's a personal finance conference and uh, it's very inclusive. Um, that's one thing I noticed over there. Um, we met a lot of, um, you know, uh, people, um, black people who are in the personal finance space. Um, you know, the he's in her money we, during the lunch, um, Anthony O'Neill. You know, you name it. Um, we met all those people there, and it was, it was a you know a great experience. And one thing, as Mike was speaking, it just come to mind. I think one thing we had to do as well is kind of um, present Haiti on a different light because you know all the questions that we're asking. Because at that time, I think there was a situation going on and and and, and at the border, and um, you know you know that was big news. You know that was everywhere. So you know we had a lot of questions about those and it was very uncomfortable, honestly, because, you know, then we had to, we have to flip the conversation on what we're doing. That is, you know, good, right. It's not only because every country have their good and their bad. Right. And for some reason, whenever media is, 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 you know, talking about Haiti, it's always from a, from a, from, from a negative standpoint, right. It's never, positive is never you know selling our culture and i feel like you know as this podcast as you know as this platform we have now the opportunity to to sell haiti and haitians in a different light so you know we we took that chance and we 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 took that opportunity to say hey you know this is what we're doing this is you know the, per the type of people we have on the podcast this is you know haitians you know this is who we are right so this what you see on the tv it's not only what's going on. So, you know, we take the opportunity to, to definitely um, sell our country and sell our people. Who is your favorite person that you met at uh, FinCon? Be honest. Um, favorite <laughs> person. Um, actually, it's most likely definitely uh, Anthony O'Neill. He's 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 a cool dude. He's he's a cool dude. Um, you know, he's very outgoing. He's just you know, I I I didn't think of him. <laughs> like I remember like the first day Mike Mike, uh, Mike and him. Uh, Oh, uh, Mike and I, we saw him, and and then Mike was like, "Hey, I, th I think that's Antonio." And I was like, "Oh shoot, that's Antonio." And then you know, we passed by. We said, "All right, we'll, we'll, we'll meet him next time." So the second day, like we ran across him, like right in front of him, and we introduced ourselves. Man, he he's a pretty cool guy. He's a pretty cool guy down to earth. What about you, Mike? Who was your favorite person that you're, <laughs> you had a chance to meet? Him? Uh, for me, um. Anthony O'Neill was cool, um, but for me, I would say Jaspreet uh, Singh, um, and he's the um, the owner of Minority Mindset. Uh, and what, what I like about Jaspreet is um, he's as enthusiastic meeting you 
as you are meeting him. Like the eye contact, the handshake, and he, you know, ask multiple questions about you. And I think because he came from, a, he comes from a background that has those negative um, connotations and those mm-hmm. negative backgrounds. Um, and I, I like the double entendre of even the name minority mindset. And, and, and so in talking to him, he, he was, he was cool. It was really cool. It's like, what do you guys do? This is great. How can I help? Um, and he's that he was good. I like it. The one thing I love about FinCon, but mostly a lot of the summits or conferences, because with FinCon specifically, which we mentioned the financial, um, summits of all the personal finance influencers, um, gurus per se, I don't know what they call them these days, uh, but they're all in one place. So you get to actually be around accessibility is right in your face. You get to talk to them, have personal conversations. And I did see, I follow your stories where you guy was actually doing live podcasting with Mm -hmm. some of the, um, some of the uh, guests that were uh, there. Um, What do you feel as though? Cause was it like a two day thing, three day thing, a weekend? It was uh, three days, three days. Three days. What What do you feel like um, individually or collectively as Krim Podcast, Krim, the brand, did you take out of it, of the um, FinCon? Um, what I take out of it is we have to look at it. We have to look at the podcast more as a business than just as a hobby. Um, yes, we are doing it, you know, to help out the community, but um, we can set it up in a way where it's um it's beneficial for everybody right because it's a lot of work Uh, i'm pretty sure you guys know that you know podcasting is a lot of work it's not it's like a full-time job um you know whether it's you know pre-production production production, post-production you know social media there's a lot of work that that goes into it so what i learned is that you know we need to find a way to um you know set it up as a you know as a business and find ways to build an audience uh and and connect well and like a build like build a tribe in a sense you know connect well with our audience and um that way they, you know they can interact with us uh, a little bit better and, and we can grow together as a community yeah for me um definitely that it it's it, you can you have to look at it more as a business no matter how involved in and passionate are you about the topic um you are you're losing if you're not trying to monetize every opportunity for sure. The other thing is to me, um, like we got into a room uh, with with certain people and all they were asking is, who are you? What do you do? And how can we help? Um, literally, we got into a room full of black people that were, you know, there and there. So I, I, want, I use that to say for me, the other thing is um, it's a marathon. Um, it's not a race, right? Because we sat in there, I know, I know when we first got there, we we're like, all right, so we're not gonna tell people that we only had fifty episodes. We gonna, we just gonna be like, oh yeah, Coin Podcast, <laughs> um, you know. And so they were sitting there, and when we, we, they would ask directly, like, what's your download? What's this? What's that? And then we tell them, and their response was like, oh, okay, all right, good, good job, congratulations. And I'm like, oh shoot, like, okay, so maybe this is, maybe we, maybe we, we're doing something. And then the next thing is like. Okay, so X, Y, and Z. If you do this, you can get this. You can get this. You can, and I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. Like it's, and then they're like, oh yeah, I remember my first time. This how many how many listeners? Or I had to revamp, or I had to take a break. This guy talked about mental break, um, being a host, 
And we're like mental break because Luther and I we'd be pushing ourselves like we got we got to kill ourselves we got to do this we got to do that and this guy's like yeah I took I took a six months mental break I was like really we could do that break we don't do breaks we're Haitian man we got to do extra work man what's up why do I feel like I know who that was yes it's it's um what's his name I don't know we gotta drop names we're not gonna drop names I think we know I think we know who that is we 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 know who that is we know we know. But um, but still, I, I learned from that, believe it or not, because I know I yeah. know how I work. I'm always like, all right, what's the next thing? What I got to do? I got to keep moving. Oh, Luther, what are we doing? Like, oh, should we get the next five people lined up? And, and he was like, nah, when you take mental breaks, you, you come out more fresh and you're ready. Mm-hmm. And so like for, for us, it had to be like, you know, we're, we're not that far off. We, we don't have to minimize, you know, like we um, we, we interviewed somebody that said we have to stop saying T. We don't have yes. to think like it's it's yeah. a tea podcast. We we only been there for three, two three years now. So he has he's like you have to change your mindset that it's 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 good enough and it's a it's a marathon, not a race. Yeah, I actually wanted to um I guess the, the first time I actually heard about Cohen was through this um um Haitian Millennial Money conference or something. I was it yeah. that's the exact word. Yes, that's yes. where I learned about it. And I think that's to me, that entire segment was amazing because I've never heard just Haitians talk about finances for that long in this many <laughs> iterations. You know, like the idea of like some people are investing, some people are yeah. doing the real estate stuff, some people are doing um, I guess their own personal finance, some people are doing small business, some doing international business. So it's just an ideally, it's just something that I've never really seen in the Haitian community how to scale up. And I think that's something that Lovely is trying to help the Haitian community with, the idea of scaling upwards and to really shift from just being the T stuff, like the small business to being the business. Um, instead of having the small mindset or the small reach or the idea of just like, I'm just gonna do this, the little this, the little that, instead of that, just pushing ourselves. And I think that's very important to say. And it's something that I read recently uh, in the Haitian Times in the article by Gary Pierre Pierre. It was like one of the most notable New York, um, um, I guess, journalists at the time. He ended up creating the HaitianTimes.com. He worked for New York Times at one point. And he literally said that uh, in this recent article, Karl Marx said that the power to define is the power to control. We should define who we are and then control our destinies. Waiting for somebody else, generally insert XXX here, to do it, it's not going to work. And I think that's really the, the gist of COEM. That's really the gist of what you guys have been doing this entire time. Not allowing other people to define the space for you and just really just doing something about it. And I think that's something Haitians all over the world, we just need to do. Instead of waiting for somebody, oh, um, I, I'm a by like, oh, this person, Biden's going to do it for me. Nobody's going to do it for you. You got to do it for yourself. And I think that's why it's so important to have this conversation. Oh, I dropped the mic. Everybody just got quiet. Everybody was just nodding their heads. <laughs> Lovely yeah, got nothing yeah. to say. <laughs> well, there you have it. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Financial Grill. I really hope you guys enjoyed that first part of the episode with the current podcast crew. And make sure you subscribe and like, share with a friend of a friend, with another friend who knows a friend. <laughs> Leave those five stars. We really appreciate it. But in the meantime, stay tuned. TFG, we out.